0: Projecting to the past So we've discussed the, the, over the last day or two the differences between a prediction, which we've said we, we don't make. We don't make predictions. We're not in positions to know the future. We're not Nevi'im, and we're not Hashem. We can't predict. But we can make assumptions, and there are various principles in halacha that help us to make those assumptions so that we can act uh, even in situations of uncertainty, and we can project, which was yesterday's idea, that we can project into the future once there's a cheskat Gimul pahamim and we talked yesterday about the fact that there are two different types of cheskat Gimul pahamim of um, the these status when uh, an event happens three times consecutively, according to some twice consecutively, uh, how that enables us to project forward. And we learned in the, the work of Yoshebe Olovechik and others who said that when the halachic status of something is to be changed, that has to be three times even according to Rebbe. For example, the Shor Muad, when an ox transitions, it actually transforms from being a regular ox to a going ox to a dangerous ox. That's a different, different halachic concept, and that needs to have have three times, uh, three consecutive uh, events in order to be able to change its status from a regular ox into a gory, going ox. But if it's not about changing status, it's about projecting the future. Then according to Rebi two is enough. According to Rameshmanu Gamlil, you'd still need three times to be able to project into the into the future. What's interesting to look at is when a projection takes place. So, for example, you're acting on a trend which has been established by two or three consecutive repetitions uh, of of an event. Uh, So, for example, two consecutive quarters of declining GDP we consider to be a recession. So you make a projection and you realise the chances are things are going to continue to get worse. Uh, It's certainly not going to get better until one sees that trend changing. So that's an assumption, that's a projection you make about the economy based on repeated Patterns that you're able to to notice, but do we ever use that assumption of a projection to inform us about the past? When do you say there's a recession? Only after there's there there have been two quarters of consecutive reduction in GDP. Is that the point that you say from now on we're in recession? But haven't we really been in a recession already for two quarters? Uh, that's the the thing that we look at, and, and it makes a difference in the way we manage. Life and, and and we look at at life. So the Gemara here that we're talking about on Dar Samechim with Aleph is Tan uh, Rabbanan. We learn a situation where a man is married once and no children. Marries a, uh, a, 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 a a woman is married once. She doesn't have children. She gets divorced from the first husband. She marries a second husband. Ten years, no children. She then marries a third one. Uh, the Gomorrah says, brings a brysa. Lotina, says She shouldn't marry the third one unless he has children already. So there's an assumption we're making that she's not capable of having children and she put, shouldn't put a man who doesn't have children in the situation where she, he might never have children. But what happens if he, she did get married to such a man? Uh, then she's penalized, so to say, in that she doesn't get a k'tuva. He divorces her and doesn't have to pay out his, the, the k'tuva amount. Um, because, as Toswood explained, he got married kind of under false pretenses. Then the Gomorrah asks a fascinating question. She marries the third one, and they don't have children. Can the first and second husband claim back the Ketuvah? So again, she's married a a man, together 10 years, no children. He divorces her, which is entitled to do he pays out her ketuva because she's done nothing wrong the second time the second husband pays out the ketuva but the third one establishes a khazaka. we now know this is now three times she's been married three times for 10 years each time and we now know she's not capable of having children which means that the first husband married her with, with an with an incorrect understanding had he known that she wasn't capable of having children, he might not have married her, and so the second ha- husband, and therefore the ketuvah which they did pay because they were required to, can they claim it back and say that was under false pretenses? Uh, can they say it's now become clear that you were the problem, that you caused the, the infertility, uh, you were the, 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 the reason for the infertility, and therefore uh, I want the ketuvah money back? And this we, we're talking just about a financial claim. Or could she say, you have no proof that I didn't just become uh, barren now. Uh, It's quite possible that you were the problem in our marriage. And to the second husband, same thing. You might have been the problem. The fact that the third time I get married, I'm still unable to have children. That might be something which has just happened recently. I'm older and it's harder for me to have children. It doesn't really tell me anything about the first two marriages. And the Gemara concludes that she can say that. She can say, there is no evidence that I was barren to start with. Uh, This might be something new that's that's taken place. Um, Toswal is is interesting and and says this claim that she makes uh, and says, no, I might well have been able to have children in the first and second marriage. My husband's may have been the problem. And this is a new situation that's arisen. She can use that claim um, only to retain what she's got, not to have to pay back money. But she can't use that claim to claim money. If she didn't claim her k'tuva from the first or the second husband, she can't go back now and, and claim it. Uh, that she wouldn't be able to do. The Shulchan Aruch this l'halacha in Simen Kufnun Dalet, hashkishi, eser shanim if she lived with the third husband for 10 years and couldn't have children, in the event that she went her ktuva from the first husband's, um, assuming that she was barren uh, and not realizing perhaps that she had the right to the ktuva, she can't go back now and claim the imgavta. But if she did claim her ktuva from the first husband's, she's under no obligation at all to return that money to the to the previous husband's. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. The Beishmuel. Shmuel, is one of the primary Mephashim on Evan O'ezer. Evan O'ezer is that section of Shulchan Aruch that deals with marriage and divorce. Uh, the Be'i about 17th century, late 17th century, is that second generation after the, the Mechaber, after the Shulchan Aruch himself. Um, so you have people like the uh, Maganav Rom and you've got, you've got uh, the Be'i and others of that period that are commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, and we have them on the page of the Shulchan Aruch, um, and he says here, based on the Tosfut, that lo lo this, she can't use this claim to, to claim any kinds of money, it just helps her in that she doesn't have to return money, and that is the view of Tosfut and the Rosh and the Tur, uh, although the Beit Shobol brings the view that the Nimcha Yosef brings, the Mordechai and others who hold that this is, this is a strong claim, and, and she could use it to claim money back as well. Be, be that, as it may, the Vilna makes it clear that the Shukhan is passing like Tosfet and the Roshan, the two, that she can use this claim to say, you have no proof that I've been a a, a, a baron and, and sterile up till now. This might be something recent. She can use that to hold on to any money she's, she has that she doesn't have to return, but she can't use it to claim anything anything new. Uh, Rabbi Khanan Vassaman asks a a really interesting uh, question and and challenges this whole piece of Gomorrah in a a sense because he says once she's gone with three husbands, the first husband, 10 years, no children, second husband, 10 years, no children, third husband, 10 years, no children, there's now three times. So this is a proper chazakah. What does the chazakah mean? Explainsable explains Rebukhan and Wasserman, as we touched on it yesterday. The hazaka means when something happens once or twice, there could be completely different reasons for each, for each occurrence. There might be no connection between the two currents. It might have been coincidental and random. But once a thing happens three times, we assume there's a common cause. One factor is causing all three, and that factor is still present. Um, so she doesn't have children with the first husband, there can be all sorts of reasons, same with the second husband, but if she doesn't have children with the third husband, that clearly means that she's been sterile all the way through. That being the case, asked Khan and Wasserman, how can she say, I possibly only became sterile now, recently? And there might be other reasons for the first two. Rabbi al says that goes against the whole principle of Chazakah. The whole principle of Chazakah is we've established the fact once it's happened three times, you are sterile. And if you're sterile, then you were sterile for the first and the second husband. You can't claim now that things are different. That's, what's, that's what Chazakah does. So according to Rabbi al question, Chazakah would seem to have worked retrospectively as well. It's not just from now. And he leaves it as a question, but if you consider the way we've been learning this as a projection, that this type of chazakai is a projection into the future, then it makes it much easier to deal with Rebbe Khon and question. Because when you're projecting something into the future, you're not changing the status. It's not like the Shor Muad, which Rabbi Yoshe Be'er Soloveitchik explained means you're changing its halachic reality from a regular ox to a Shor Muad. That's not what we're doing here. We're simply taking a view of the future based on a trend that has been established in the past two or three times of a consecutive event. And that's a projection forward. So if we say there's there's been a downward trend in the GDP for two consecutive quarters, so we assume that's going to continue. Uh, that's a forward-looking projection. That's the nature of projection. And the Cheskat Gibel Pa'amim when it's this type of chazakah that we're dealing with, is about a projection forward. It's not about changing the status of the person and saying that this person is a particular type of person. It's about g- having some view of what the future is is likely to be. And it's important in, in the way we manage uh, projections and the way we manage uh, looking at the future, because we can get easily become very wrapped up in what we could have done and should have done. So now there's been two quarters of recession and and we realize things are going to go down. So we sell our stocks. Should we have sold a month ago? Should we have sold three months ago? Why didn't we sell three months ago? Because three months ago, we couldn't make that projection. And at all times, we've got to act with where we are now. Yes, we have to look forward. And in order to project forward, you've got to look a little bit backwards to see what has been happening. But once you have clarity about your projection, your projection doesn't tell you anything about the past. The projection uses the past to project the future. But we need to keep our eye focused on the future and not become wrapped up in what we could or should have done in the past because in the past we didn't have those projections, and being able to draw that line when we're projecting forward and keep our, our eyes on on the future, even if it means we've got to take some corrective action and we've lost some money, for example, I'm talking in the case of, of investments because that's an easy example to see it operating, Uh, And we have to make those decisions and we have to take some losses because what we're looking at ahead, we're projecting to be some negativity for for the coming time. But that shouldn't undo what we've had. And it's the same if we're involved in a project or we're involved in 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 a a relationship with people and and things aren't going well and there's been a a time during which it's become toxic and one decides one has to get out of this project, or one has to get out of this relationship. Uh, It's important not to get tied in and tied up with ideas of what should I have done or what might I have done. The fact is from the time you project, you begin to act. And you're acting for the future, you're not acting for the past, you're just using the past as a source of information to give you a basis in which to make decisions for the future.